do you crave daily motivation and want valuable tips for dealing with the stress of type 1 diabetes? Sign up for our daily email and start your day with a practical type 1 diabetes and mental health tip delivered straight to your inbox. It's like a personal boost for your day, from me to you. And best of all, it's absolutely free. Don't wait. Go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash tip and subscribe today because every day with type 1 diabetes deserves a healthy start. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash tip. This podcast is brought to you by Ultra Rapid Acting Inhaled Insulin. Over the past five years, the world of diabetes management has changed significantly. We now have automated insulin delivery. We have CGM that many people are using. But maybe most importantly, we have time and range. Time and range has changed the way that we think about our diabetes management and how we think about the metrics for success with our diabetes management. But it's also changed something else that's really important. And that is the shame and the guilt that we feel about our blood sugars. I don't know about you, but I see my A1C as being private. However, I don't feel the same way about my time and range. And I want to take some time today to explore why that is. Welcome to the Live Free with T1D podcast, brought to you by the Diabetes Psychologist. This is the only podcast where we teach you to build your type 1 diabetes stress management plan like a sailboat. You are the captain, your diabetes management is the hull, your mindset is the sails, your behavior is the rudder, and your support team is the crew. When you build your sailboat correctly, you will have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. In this episode of the podcast, I coach Grace. Grace, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have this conversation with you on the podcast. Yeah, no, I'm so excited to be here. So Grace, tell us about yourself and your life with type 1 diabetes and your work right now, and um, let's dive into this. Yeah, so um, my name's Grace. I've had T1D... um, some of my family and friends might have to keep me honest. Uh, either 21 or 22 years. I, I think at a certain point, once I forgot what life was like before it, I just kind of didn't bother remembering uh, my diversary. But somewhere in the ballpark of um, over 20 years is a safe, safe thing to say. And for the last five years, I've been working at JDRF as the social media manager, which I love um, teenage me would be so disappointed because I said to my mom, I don't want people to think diabetes is my entire uh, identity. And now it, it very much is, I, you know, in the best way. So I'm, I'm sure that's not your entire identity. We could probably have a whole podcast episode about how you're so much more than your type of diabetes and you have so many more interests and hobbies and life, but your job is definitely. Diabetes. I would like to think so. Yes, yes. Yeah, but that's not the purpose of our conversation today. So, you know, we were on a, a, a how quite, was it a, a show or a, an event several weeks ago together? And we had a conversation before type the event started, which really fascinating. Yeah. I want to dive more. Ty, yes, Type 1 Nation Summit. I want, I want to dive more, but dive more into that with you on this episode. So we were talking, just so that the listeners can know, we were talking about 
time and range and how I have started sharing my time and range every week on my social media and with my, with my audience. Because I think it's really important as a diabetes psychologist and as a professional to show people that my diabetes is not perfect. Certainly, I do the best that I can. And I, I hope I'm doing well. Um, and I feel pretty good for the most part. But, you know, my time and range is nowhere near 100% or nowhere near 80% most of the weeks. Um, but what I, was, what I was saying, and I asked Grace, and she had a great answer for me, is that I am very happy to share my time and range, but I'm much more hesitant to share my A1C. And, and Grace told me that she felt the exact same way. And so I wanted to have her on the podcast to just have a conversation about why is it that A1C is so, we want to keep it so hidden. It's like our income. We want to, we want to tell anybody how much money we make, but we're happy to show them our house or our car. Um, it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, um, at least. But I, I think there's there's some interesting interesting factors that are at play here. And I want to just talk to Grace about, about that. So why don't you, Grace, give me your thoughts, your initial thoughts, and we can dive into the conversation. Yeah. So um, for me, at least, uh, this is something that teenage me, uh, and I'm sure my mother um, will, you know, echo this as well, that when I was a teenager, my um, worst days were always the days that I had endocrinologist appointments. Um, and, you know, I was diagnosed in 2002. Um, so insulin pumps existed um, and things like that. But the management devices and things were nowhere near, uh, you know, what they are today. And so, you know, and before... I was diagnosed. My mom's only frame of reference for T1D was Mary Tyler Moore. Um, and so, you know, we all kind of were just going in blind and, um, you know, only knew so much, only could do what the doctors told us, you know, we could do, never knew anything about hormones impacting T1D, anything like that. So um, it just was the worst because my A1Cs, looking back, um, I was like, they weren't that bad. They were like, sometimes they were. I had an A1C. I'll be transparent. In the spirit of transparency, I had an A1C, uh, not a diagnosis, although I'm sure this is what it was, uh, of like 14 once when I was like a freshman in high school and going through puberty. and um, But my doctor um, just was really like, if you weren't in the sixes, mid to lower sixes, you were an out of control diabetic. Um, and, you know, mm -hmm. in every other way, he was a fabulous physician. He was available when I needed anything. Um, he was, you know, very good at getting at the time with injections, my formula is just right, all that stuff. But A1C, um, you know, I felt like I was in the principal's office because I had just flunked a test and my mom had to sit there and feel like a terrible parent. Um, and it just, um, I'd say we left most of the, those appointments, at least for me, just feeling so defeated. Um, and so I had a lot of shame and a stigma, I think, tied to, to my A1C early on in my T1D journey. 
Yeah, and then I think that there's a couple of things here. I mean, some of the language that you use, you know, shame and, you know, you feel like you're a horrible parent or your mom felt like she's a horrible parent. Um, you know, th- those types of words, of course, and you felt like that you were in the principal's office. Like they, they, there's some sort of judgment that, that you are either good or you're bad and, you're, and you're the, your value as a person or as a person with diabetes or, about, or your future it depends on this number. And that, that there, there's a lot of, a lot there, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame. And of course, if that's the case, we want to keep it secret. We don't want to tell anybody what it is because shameful things that, that they, they hide or that they live in the darkness. And why, why, why mm-hmm. share that with people if it's going to be going to bring those types of feelings? Yeah, it's, it's What's almost changed, like though? to me. Um, oh, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say it's very akin to me at least to like, to me at least to like, just showing like, you know, like if you walk down Fifth just Avenue, showing like, you know, like if you walk naked. down Fifth Avenue, com- like just if you walk down Fifth Avenue completely naked, it's like kind of like that. Like there is no like, you know, all your insecurities, you know, and, and you're kind of things like that are kind of laid bare for everyone to see. And I, you know, this might now that I'm saying out loud, it does sound a wee bit dramatic, but there were absolutely times um, that I felt like if I told people um, or shared that or, or things like that, I would be, you know, T1D was already so overwhelming and scary. And I was like, I don't need people um, thinking I'm doing a bad job with it on top of having to figure out how to like have this new life and, you know, have to test blood sugar and give insulin and Mm -hmm. think about how much I'm exercising, all these different things. Um, and I was like, I, I need to, you know, I need people to think I can handle this. I, you know, I don't really have any other choice, (laughs) but, um, yeah. If they see an A1C that is out of range, if they see A1C as being out of range, yeah, they, I, they, they, excuse me, it, it, the, the perception is that you can't handle this disease, which seems so simple. We know it's not, but it seems right, so simple. Right. It seems so simple. And I think, um, you know, you, you see, let's see, I'm going to, I'm going to date myself, uh, which I, you know, pretty sure I already have, but when I, um, was first diagnosed, you know, of course, Mary Tyler Moore, and then um, Gary Hall Jr., Halle Berry, like, it was, it was this very small, this was, I was diagnosed before Nick Jonas, like, this is in the Paleozoic era. Um, But it, um, you know, you have these people and Halle Berry, it's, you know, around the time she won her Oscar, and Gary Hall Jr. obviously is an Olympic swimmer. And so I was just like, if they have the same thing I do and they're out doing all this stuff and I'm just having to navigate, you know, sixth grade, seventh grade, um, you know, I should be able to handle this. And, and, you know, it's like you said, it's at surface level, T1D management is very simple. Test blood sugar, 
discount carbs, give insulin accordingly and, you know, rinse and repeat. But, you know, we know it's much, much deeper than that. So why is, oops, all about a minute. So in your opinion, why do you think time and range is different? Because again, I, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to share my time and range, especially from the past week or the past two days with anybody who, who asked me, but I'm, I'm still so, you know, hesitant to share my A1C with anybody. And I think that in, in, in reality, there's not a, there's not a, a real difference between the two, um, except for the perception that we have. Yeah. So why are, why are you more open with your, your, your time and range than with your A1C? So for me, it's a couple reasons. Um, I think it's because with A1Cs, you've got like three months before you can redeem yourself or potentially redeem yourself. The nice thing about time and range mm -hmm. is I'm able to look back, you know, week, week to week, um, and even, you know, different configurations of that and say, okay, well, you know, this week I was 72% time in range. And it's funny, I went to Utah for my brother's graduation and I was in range, I will be honest, 52% of the, the time. Uh, because if there's one thing the state of Utah knows how to do well, it's a carb. Baked goods, fresh bread, just <laughs> carb heaven. And uh, not a lot of bars out there. So we, we did a lot of eating and I was eating things um, at a much different altitude uh, and things I typically just don't eat all that often. And so I was able to look and for me, I'm looking at it and going, oh, well, yeah, duh. I was like queen of, you know, carbs that week. Of course, I was only in range half the time. But then look, I flew back to New York. I got back into my normal like eating and workout routine and my typical thing. And I went right back up to like 72% time and range. So I like being able to see the patterns too. And I think um, just knowing more about mm -hmm. how literally everything I do day to day, even if I do the exact same thing, because I'm very much a creature of habit, like eat the same thing for breakfast every day kind of gal. Um, even if I do the exact same thing two days in a row, my blood sugars are going to look very different. Um, and so I think like being able to say, okay, here's what was happening this week. Um, I was really stressed about work or something else, or, you know, I was busy and running around and I didn't eat enough. And so I ran a little lower. It's, it's quantifiable. And I think with the A1C, at least in my experience, my pediatric endocrinologist would look at my A1C <clears throat> um, and I was, I was bad. I was like a deviant because it was the days of the old, like printable blood sugar sheets. And I was bad at writing them down anyway, but I was dumb. I was like 11. And so I, it was like forging my mom's signature on a permission slip. I would go in and just make up numbers and just put them in the blank columns. Oh, so the doctor would look at the sheets, you know, um, but he would just, he would look at the A1C, make corrections to, you know, my carb ratio and 
um, sensitivity, all that. But he wouldn't, he would just, he told my parents, I shouldn't be allowed to get a driver's license. Um, you know, and I get that tactic works for somebody. I'm not fear motivated um, in the slightest. I'll like act like a possum and just play dead until you go away. Um, so that didn't work on me. And I think what was hard too is he he didn't really explain outside of you're doing a really horrible job at being a type one diabetic. He didn't explain anything I could do differently. And my mom, you know, cooked most nights and Mm. cooked pretty healthy things and didn't even before I got diagnosed, like didn't keep a ton of junk food in the house. So, you know, I was still under the impression exercise and food are what, you know, are impacting blood sugar. Those are the two things. And so I think I just like having information and that's also why I'm not ashamed because I can look at my time and range and think about, you know, what that week looked like, what that, you know, 72 hour period looked like. And I have a reason. So if I say my time and range was 54, 54%, mm-hmm. I can be like, yeah. Cause I was going on like a fresh bread tour of the state of Utah. Like that's why. Um, yeah. and yeah, I, you know, that's it for me. I think your ability to explain, you know, why the, the, the relationship between your time and range and the, the, what your behavior, which is just not possible to do with an A1C. An A1C is kind of a big blob of the past three months. Right. And it, 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 it can feel much more like a judgment because there's less, less connection as opposed to a time and range, which yeah. is can be two days or four days or tw- seven days where you can say, oh, yeah, well, I, was, I was on vacation that week or I was in Utah eating carbs all day long. And so there's a right. a really good connection between the two of those two, two of those things. My pump, my pump malfunctioned. And so that's why I had that, right. that time and range. When thinking about expanding your diabetes management toolkit, you may not be thinking about insulin. There haven't been a lot of new insulins to put in your toolbox. Sure. There are different brands, but nothing really unique when it comes to insulin delivery, except for a Frezza. A Frezza, insulin human inhalation powder, is unique because it's the only ultra-rapid-acting inhaled insulin available. It's a man-made, orally-inhaled insulin and is used to control high blood sugar in adults with diabetes without the need for mealtime insulin injections. Once you inhale a Frezza into your lungs using the inhaler, it will start reducing your blood sugar in about 12 minutes and it's out of your bloodstream within 1.5 to 3 hours, depending on the dose. Keep in mind that a Frezza must be used with basal insulin in people who have type 1 diabetes. To learn more about inhaled insulin, visit www.afrezza.com. That's A-F-R-E-Z-Z-A dot com. Afrezza is a rapid-acting inhaled insulin used to control high blood sugar in adults with diabetes mellitus. Afrezza may cause serious side effects, including sudden lung problems, low potassium, and heart failure. Afrezza is not for patients with chronic lung disease, such as asthma or COPD. Tell your doctor if you smoke, recently stopped smoking, have ever had kidney or liver problems, a history of lung cancer, or if you are pregnant or breastfeeding. Most common side effects are low blood sugar, cough, and sore throat. 
Severe low blood sugar can be fatal. Do not replace basal insulin with Afrezza. Afrezza is not for use to treat diabetic ketoacidosis. Do not take Afrezza if you are allergic to insulin. Talk to your doctor before changing your Afrezza dose. Blood sugar may need to be checked more frequently. I think that one of the challenges that we have with time and range, though, is that it's very misunderstood. And in ter- and, and mm-hmm. by by most people, but also really by the diabetes scientific community, um, you know the reason why we have A one Cs and and well and why we have A one C guidelines of we want your A one C below seven percent is because there's there's research out there that shows that people who have A one Cs below seven percent and really below six point five percent have a much lower risk of developing complications than people who don't. Um, how helpful right. that is, I'm not really sure, but that, that's what they say. Then the, that was, that's research from the 90s. Um, we don't have the same research to show that, that impact for time and range. We will at some point, but right now, right now we don't. Right. And so now it's a, it's much more of a guess. But the other challenge is with it, with A1C is kind of a blob of a number, right? 6.5. Like if you told your your uh, your new friend that you have a 6.5 A1C or a 10 A1C, he or she is not going to know what that means. Um, she's gonna be like, okay, that's cool. No, no. Um, but if you say my time in, my, my time in range this week was seventy five percent, it's a much more clear metric. Um, even yeah. though seven point five percent, sorry, seventy five percent of time in range is actually awesome. And but the problem is, is we associate that with a grade in school. And who wants a grade in school that's going to be a C? I don't want a C. I want an A, which is unrealistic. Yeah. And that makes that that poses lots more challenges. Um, Maybe in a good way, but we have a lot more education to do around um, what these numbers actually mean and what is right. target and what is um, what is uh, unrealistic. Yeah, and I think it's um, while I obviously, you know, like I've mentioned, and, and much more open about, and well, now I'm more and more open than I was about my A1C because, you know, with, with time and range, I'm able to make certain corrections and adjustments kind of on my own without having to call up my endo and being like, Hey, um, and you know, I just got onto an AP system. So that's obviously been a huge factor in it. And I think, you know, when you said the thing about the grade in school, I was like, yeah, that's, you know, how I felt. And I think the biggest takeaway is kind of back to that. I can do two days right in a row and do the exact same thing from the time my feet hit the floor in the morning to the time, like I get in bed at night and there's, more often than not, blood sugar wise, again, if I'm doing everything the same, there's a good chance they could look vastly different. And I think, um, you know, this is T1D, it's tough too, because it looks so different for everyone, right? It depends like when you were diagnosed, like how, like how much information did you have access to like, you know, competent and culturally competent care? Like, there's so many little factors that play into it. And I think we, you know, often look inward on our own experience and kind of project that out when we're looking at things. And um, one thing I've had to remind myself is like, you know, my friends with T1D, my colleagues, we all manage it differently in ways that work for us. Um, And so I think it's just one of those things where I just, you know, want to tell everybody 
if you can go to bed at night and say, whatever else the day brought, I did my best that I could do today in terms of T1D management. As long as you're trying your best and actually like putting an effort, like just like laying there and being like, yeah, I don't really care. Like that's not your best. But like if you just did the bare minimum and like kept yourself alive and fed and, you know, in a good place, blood sugar wise ish, um, you know, don't, don't be so hard on yourself. That's if I could go back to freshly diagnosed grace, that is the advice I would repeat about 300 times, probably like slap her across the face a couple times to make sure she really absorbed it because I just spent so much time, um, you know, just feeling like crap about myself because I just, you know, mm-hmm. was doing all the wrong things and it, and, and there are some days I just blew it off and I did what teenagers and kids in college do. And I drank irresponsibly when I was in college and, you know, probably took 10 to 15 years off my mom's life. Sorry, mom. Um, you know, during my college years, but <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things where like, you're going to have days that are, you feel like you're on top of the world and you can do anything. And you're going to have days where if you just kept yourself or your kid or your spouse or whoever alive and, and in a safe blood sugar range, not a perfect one, um, then it was a good day. It it was a good day. Um, Mm. and so, you know, I think just when we talk about numbers overall, it, um, I think we just have to remember that no two T1D experiences look the same. No two days with it look the same. And everybody's just out here doing their best with what they got at the end of the day. Yeah. One last thing I want to throw at you before we go, I thought you gave some great advice there, is the difference between time and range and A1C. And I think this will you'll appreciate this as a social media manager, is in some ways... A1C is like a vanity metric. It's like, you know, you have, you know, 500,000 followers on Instagram, but none of them are engaging with you. None of them are actually part of your community. They're like bots that are following you. And so it's like, it's a number that it's a number that's there that, that, that we put value to, but in, and and for some people, it means a lot, like realistically, but for some people like that, that number is really irrelevant to the business, the business they're generating or the engagement or the community they're building. But a one sorry, time and range is actually a much more tangible and important and helpful measurement because it can actually help you make changes in the instant and it can show you patterns yeah. um, that a one c really can't. So instead of being a vanity metric, it's actually a metric that that will lead to business, that will lead to engagement, or will lead to community. Um, it, it, metaphorically speaking, with social media, in a, in a way that a one c just really can't. And as we wrap up today, I want to I want to hear your response to that uh, that analogy. Well, I completely agree. Um, and, you know, as you were kind of saying that, and I, I love that analogy because it really is so true. Like if you have a million followers, but they're not engaging regularly with your content, like you have a big nothing burger, essentially. Um, and I think the way I personally look at it now is a1c is a number that yes i'm conscious of and 
pay attention to personally and like with my doctor and, and all of that. But um, I think time and range for people with T1D is a much more empowering number. Because once you once you watch it and kind of pay attention to what you're doing throughout the day, you can start to notice patterns and you you really are able to fine fine tune and make those adjustments and make decisions for yourself and how you feel and what your blood sugar does in response to whatever you're doing. So I, I think that's the biggest thing and almost difference and why people are maybe more open with it is because it's not a number that has, you know, as much shame associated with it as A1C, I would say, um, because you can actually do something tangible with the information or, you know, send it online, share it with your doctor, and then they can make adjustments. So that is, um, you know, sorry, A1C, good old, like, it's also weirdly, and I should probably unpack this with you, actually. Uh, it's like a warm, fuzzy number in a way, like, oh, A1C. Um, but then I'm like, yeah, that was associated with, like, terror and failure. But, um, you know, just like with everything else, it's great to see progress and great to see people be empowered to really actively participate in their own T1D management. Yeah, and I have a feeling that if we're going to be having the same conversation five years from now that uh, A1C won't even be part of it. And we'll be like, oh yeah, that's an anachronism from, yeah. from the, you know, the 2020s. We'll probably be complaining um, about time, time, about time and range. Ex- exactly, exactly. Yeah, we'll be. Exactly. Well, Grace, I, I really appreciate you joining me today. It's yeah. a great conversation. And yeah. uh, I, I can't wait to have my listeners hear this and, and really um, internalize it for themselves as they're thinking about their A1C and time and range. So thanks for joining me today. At the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action that you can start using today in your life with type 1 diabetes to help you deal with the emotional burden of living with this condition. And today, your plan of action is set your boundaries. Think about what sort of information about your diabetes management, your A1C, your time and range that you are comfortable sharing with other people And what information do you want to keep private? There are no right or wrong answers here, but it's helpful for you to think about this in advance so that when the question comes up, you're able to respond in a way that's comfortable for you. Thanks so much for joining me on the Live Free with T1D podcast, where I teach you how to build your diabetes management plan like a sailboat so you can have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. And I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.